Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to the word of the Lord. I'm, I'm going to have several passages of Scripture that we look at this morning, but I'm going to begin in Philippians chapter 3. And these verses will be on the screen in verse 10. The Bible says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. This morning, I want to preach to you from a sermon titled, Resurrection Power. Say power. power. Pray with me. God, thank you for resurrection. Thank you for life. Thank you for your spirit. Father God, I pray by your spirit that you'll speak to us today. Be our teacher, God. I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you, Lord. Let us truly today have ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us. God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord. We've all come in with different areas of brokenness, God. We've all come in with different areas of hurt and pain, success and failure, God. I pray that today you would speak to each of us. Encourage your children, God, and win the lost is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Resurrection power. You need to believe. If you don't get anything else out of this message, you need to believe this. There is power in resurrection. There's power in Jesus Christ because of the resurrection. And the resurrection should impact how powerful you are. The fact that Jesus is alive Defeated death, hell, and the grave ought to have a direct impact on you. Now, if I started with a mic, if I took the microphone and started from the front row all the way to the back, and I came up to you and said, Tell me how the resurrection power is affecting you day by day, most people would not have a real ready answer for that. Most people would be like, Uh, pass, or can I phone a friend? We're not going to phone a friend, but we're going to learn today. If you want to have a good answer for it, you pay attention to what God has to say. Before you leave here today, you should know how the resurrection should have an impact, not just on your eternity, but on your right now today. As we come together to celebrate Easter, I hope that Easter has a deeper meaning for you than it does for the average person in America. Easter means different things to different people, and I get that. I hope it means more to you than it does to unchurched people, to unsaved people. For, for many people, the most three significant things about Easter this Sunday morning are the Easter bunny, getting new clothes, and going to church. I was so excited when I saw our church administrator today come in in the Abundant Life orange t-shirt that I've seen her wear a thousand times and blue jeans that I've seen her wear a lot. I'm like, oh, you bought the same amount of new clothes for Easter as I did. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not mad at any of those three things. I'm not mad at the Easter bunny. I love chocolate. Can't you tell? I mean, I, I, I love snacks. I'm a snacks guy. People say, Pastor, what do you do for fun? I eat snacks. Hey, you're like, well, you should play golf. Uh, that's too much sweating and walking around. I can eat snacks on the couch in the air conditioner under the ceiling fan. Listen, I'm a professional at eating snacks. You want to learn how to eat some snacks? You have me over. I'll tell you if your snacks are worth eating. But, but I got nothing wrong with, with, with the Easter Bunny. I'm not mad at peeps. I, I heard a Christian pastor just bashing how much money will be spent. Do you know that there are hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars being spent on candy this, uh, this weekend? Woo, people buying that bunny with the chocolate ears. That's the best part of it, by the way. I told you I'm a professional snack eater. You, somebody hands you that bunny, you lop one of those ears off. Now you got something you can eat. That, and you don't have to feel bad because, you know, you ain't, you, I mean, how you going to eat a bunny face? I mean, I ain't mad to crack an ear off. I can do that. But I'm not mad about the Easter Bunny. I'm not mad about people getting new clothes. That's awesome. People say, well, how do you dress to, to come to Abundant Life? You, you just put clothes on. I don't care if it's flip-flops and a T-shirt. I don't care if it's, it's a suit and a dress. You want to wear a pretty hat? You can wear a pretty hat. We just ask that you don't come naked. 
or as they say in the country, naked. <laughs> long as you dress, you dress how you want. I'm not mad at Easter Bunny, new clothes, or going to church. I don't have a problem with any of those, but that's not what makes Easter significant to me. As Christians, we celebrate Easter as a time of remembering the resurrection. We ought to think about that every day, and it ought to impact our lives every day, but we set this one day aside. I've seen so many people on the Internet this week just bashing Easter. People always want to come at me. I don't tell people that I meet in the street that I'm a pastor. If they don't figure it out on their own or they don't ask me, I don't tell them because I don't want to get bashed right away. I don't want them to hate me right off the bat. People come at me on social media all the time. Are you going to do something for Easter? It's ungodly. It's steeped in pagan ritual. Listen, everything in the world is steeped in pagan ritual. You do you. I ain't mad at your Christmas tradition. I'm not mad at your Easter tradition. But if you're saved in here, Easter should be about resurrection more than anything else to you. And unsaved people will never get that. Unsaved people will never really understand why Christians do what we do. But everything that we do finds meaning in the resurrection. The Bible says that if there's no resurrection, that everything else is worthless. If there's no resurrection, we shouldn't even be coming to church. If there's no resurrection, we shouldn't even have hope for the future. But everything we do finds its meaning in resurrection. And lost people will never understand this. Maybe you're here today and you don't fully understand why people would give up their only day off during the week to come to church. You might not understand why people would pray to a God they can't see because we believe in the resurrection. You might not understand why people would give money to a church with all the bad ink going on in churches today because we believe in the resurrection and we believe more people need to believe in the resurrection. You might not understand why some Christians spend more time caring for the house of God than they care for their own house. All these things are centered in the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And if you get that, if you truly get saved and you understand that Jesus rose from the dead, everything else in Christianity is going to be easy for you. Let's look at it this morning in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. In the, in the verses 1 through 6, the Apostle Paul has given his resume. And look, this dude was on point. This guy was an exception to the rest of the apostles. The Bible says that God didn't choose many mighty, many noble, many wise people. That's then and that's now. I thank God that he lets people from the wrong side of the tracks get saved. Anybody with me on that? I thank God you don't have to be somebody to get saved. But Paul was a somebody. Paul was born on the right side of the tracks. He had the best education. He had the best job. He had the ear of the powerful and the important people. And he had just given his resume in the preceding verses. Let's pick up in verse 7 in Philippians 3. He said, I once thought these things were valuable. What? His ethnicity, his money, his education. People still feel value in that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with feeling good about who you are, but that shouldn't be where you find all your meaning. I've told y'all, we need to start understanding that the we is we and not what everyone else calls we. Y'all not following me. Y'all worried I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. Y'all worried I'm going to talk about it. Listen, see, see, white people don't live on a we basis much. If a white person went into a business and saw a white person working behind the counter and they said, uh, come on, man, hook a brother up. <laughs> Sir, you will pay full price. <laughs> it's $9.52, sir. $9.52. You will pay that. Don't live by that. But minority groups understand, whether, whether it's Hispanics, African Americans, they understand they, that, that we is we. They, they, they find a community and a brotherhood based on ethnicity. You, you wonder what white people think when it reads, a uh, 27-year-old white man killed in a drug deal on Lem Turner. Here's what you will never hear a white person say. Another one of us went down too young. Too young. <laughs> Another young white man died before his time. Uh, mm, it's just a shame to see another one. Uh, you know why? Because we don't think that way. You know, you know what we think? Another dope dealer dead. Hallelujah. Get him off the street. We don't have to worry about him backing up traffic. <laughs> but there is a weeness inside certain ethnic groups. And that's okay. 
But if you're a Christian, you need to understand where your we-ness really is. Your we is us. We're connected more deeply by our faith than we are by our melanin. All this stuff really doesn't matter at all in comparison to our Christianity. Paul said my ethnicity, my money, my education, the things that the world calls powerful. He said these things used to be valuable, but now I see them as worthless because of what Christ has done. I want you to understand your meaning as a Christian should be found in being a Christian. Your meaning for life, your purpose in life should be found in your Christianity, not in your politics. Your meaning should be found in your Christianity, not in your money, not in where you live, not in what you drive. My kids have been asking for a long time because when we started this church 15 years ago, my oldest son's 15 years old. He was born uh, two months after this church started, and we started this church to be multiracial. And it, it used to be more multiracial than it is now. It's, 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 it's still multiracial. Look hard enough, you can find it. But that's funny right there. <laughs> but with the hatred and with the racism and with the discrimination and with the meanness of the political landscape through my children's lives of 15 years, they've asked me because I got one in high school, one in junior high school, and they hear what all these little white kids say. And, but, but they know what we believe, and they hear about this race war that the world wants to see happen, this division that the world wants to see happen, but they also know that for their whole lifetime that this man on the front row right here, Deacon Henry West, has been one of the closest friends in life to me, is the first person they ever had sleepovers with. And so my kids have asked me before, well, Dad, what do we do? Because we're kind of like white people living in a, in a, in a multi-fabric, y'all thought I was going to say in a black world. White people living in a multi-fabric world. I said, well, we ain't going to pick up rocks and throw them at Henry. Are you crazy? I, I, I'm down with who I'm down with based on Jesus, not based on skin color. And that's who the we is. When, when the Bible says that, when it talks about we and us, who's it referring to, church? When it talks about they and them, who's it referring to? They is them, we is us. You got that? So, so be, be with us. Paul said, man, I used to think all those things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse 8, he said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. If you're holding on too tightly to the world, you can't gain Christ. If your identity is too tightly wrapped up in the world, you can't gain Christ. you got to let go of all these other things to gain Christ. Now, if I asked all the Christians in the room on microphone, do you believe that Jesus is the most important thing in your life? Oh, yes, sir. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Reverend. Absolutely. But do we live that way? Ah. Paul lived that way. He realized that resurrection was bigger than his religion of Judaism. He realized resurrection was bigger than his job of high-paid man working for the government. He realized that all the pedigree that he had was not nearly as important as making sure that he had Christ. In verse 9, he said, and not only to gain him, but become one with him. He said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This right here is one of the best definitions of true Christianity you'll ever see in the Bible. Paul had been taught under the Jewish religion, if you obey the law, you can be right with God. And the Catholic Church, I was born into the Catholic Church. I know a lot about the Catholic Church. I thank God for the Catholic Church. All the history that we have about Christianity came down to us from the Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church is still teaching the same principle that was taught to Paul before the resurrection impacted his life. It was a, if your good outweighs your bad, God will let you into heaven. If you obey enough rules and regulations, then God will call you righteous. But Jesus came to teach that it's not about keeping the law, it's about what you believe. 
The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not by what you think about the rapture. We're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not by what you think about speaking in tongues. The scripture here says, Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I became righteous through faith in Christ. He became righteous not by going to church. He became righteous not by paying tithes and offerings. He became righteous not by reading his Bible every day. He became righteous by faith in Christ. Now, this is a weird deal. How do you count somebody righteous just based on what they believe? It's God's world. He gets to make the rules. And God said it's not about keeping every law. It's about believing in Jesus. He said for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Faith is your belief system. Do you really believe the story of his son, Jesus Christ? In verse 10, he said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Let's just pause on that for a minute like we're teaching Bible study on Wednesday night. I always want to pause on the punctuation, take it in bite-sized pieces, digest it, understand it. Paul's the greatest Christian that ever lived outside of Jesus. God used him to write half the New Testament. Paul said, I want to know Christ. This is in a continual sense. The verb here is in a continual sense. He knew Christ, but he wanted to know Christ. Are you following me? He knew who Jesus was, but he wanted it down on the inside, all the way to his feet. He, he wanted to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He wanted to experience resurrection power. Now, this doesn't, this doesn't explain the average Christian's life. This doesn't even have a picture of what average Christianity looks like because the average Christian thinks they're doing good if they go to church once or twice a month. The average Christian, listen, according to the church surveys all across the world, only 2% of people pay tithes in the church. Ooh. Hey, if you're paying tithes, you're a top-notch dude. Listen, he said, but I want to get past all this stuff. I want to experience mighty power. God wants you to experience mighty power. God wants you to experience resurrection power. We're going to look at what that means in just a moment. I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and give you a hint. The Bible is a self-explanatory book. The next sentence builds on the previous sentence. How's he going to experience this? He said, I want to suffer with him, comma. Woo! Doesn't that fire you up? You got to be one of two things for that verse to fire you up. You got to be mentally off. A lot of that in the church. Or you got to really understand who God is. Most people, if I walk up to you and say, hey, you want to do a lot of suffering this afternoon? <laughs> Woo, man, I'm ready. Let's go. No, that's not a typical response to suffering. Paul understood something deeper than what natural people. He said, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Verse 11, here's the why. So that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You have an opportunity. Every person in this world has an opportunity to experience the resurrection. But the sad news is most people won't. You have to desire this experience of resurrection, but most people won't. But Easter, especially on Easter, it should be a reminder of how different our religion is than every other religion. Every other religion than Christianity is not as good as Christianity. Do you believe that? The pastor of First Baptist Church, when it was Dr. Jerry Vines, he got in trouble about eight, nine years ago when uh, a lot was going on with Islam, and he said publicly that Islam was an inferior religion to Christianity. And, man, they went on a hate wagon on him. They went on a bash wagon with him. Now, I'm like, man, you ask any Christian in the world, is Islam inferior to Christianity? They're going to tell you, absolutely. Is, is any other religion inferior? Witchcraft is inferior to Christianity. All these other religions, why? Because one big reason is because the founder of our religion is still alive. Listen, Muhammad founded Islam. You could go to the city of Medina in Saudi Arabia where he died in 632, and you find re remains of his body are still there. 
Buddhism was found by an ancient prince who gave himself the name Buddha. And you could go to India and find where he was buried. And you could see that the remains of his body is still there. But the Bible tells us when the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ came to the place where his body was buried, they found something different than any other body that had ever been buried. He wasn't there anymore. He was gone. He's alive. We serve a risen Savior. This is what makes Christianity different. Now, we say these things in church, and we've heard them so much, we just, yeah, right. I know. I get it. Preacher, he's alive. He rose from the dead. You, we don't get it deep enough, though. Think about it. it, it, it I was talking to my kids just yesterday or this morning. What if somebody that you knew that died last week just walked in this room right now and started talking to you? You wouldn't be just like, oh, rose from dead. Cool. What's for lunch? Imagine 2,000 years ago. This is why the first church grew so fast. This is why the church had, had so much power in the first century because they really believed in the resurrection. The Bible teaches that after Jesus rose from the dead, he showed himself alive at least 10 different times. One time to a crowd of over 500 people. That was a lot of people to gather back then. That was a lot of people in, in a small city, in a small area of Galilee. So here's what ended up happening. Think how crazy this would be. I, I see Henry walking out there. Hey, Henry, did you hear? You know that dude that lived over there on the corner house? That guy that died last They crucified I saw him last night at the church house. He's alive. People were freaking out. People, people were telling the story. Have you heard? Have you heard? Did you hear that Jesus is alive? If you took that type of passion right now to your workplace, that have you committed? If you walked up to your family today at lunch, your unsafe family said, have you heard Jesus is alive? I said, man, get out of here with that. I'm tired with that. But we need to understand what the Apostle Paul understood. One way or the other, we need to experience the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is different. Christianity is different from every other religion. Their founders died and stayed dead. Our founder died and raised himself from the dead. Nothing could hold him. Nothing could beat him. There's nothing stronger than Jesus in the world. I want you to hear the account out of St. Luke's Gospel this morning in chapter 24 about that resurrection Sunday. Because this is the story that changed so much about what would shape Christianity. Forever the followers of Jehovah, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had gathered together on Saturday to worship. Saturday was their day of worship. It changed at this point in time to Sunday. Why? Because every Sunday after this Sunday, after what happened in Luke 24... The, the, the followers of Christ started meeting on Sunday to celebrate. This is the day he rose from the dead. Let's have church. This is the day he rose from the dead. Let's go celebrate. And so church switched in this time frame from always being on Saturday to being on Sunday. If somebody asks you, why did the Old Testament church meet on Saturday, but now Christians meet on Sunday, let them know because of the resurrection. Everything about Christianity has its basis in the cross and in the resurrection. They went to the tomb on Sunday morning. Listen to Luke 24.1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, remember this, and I tell you all the time. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so they could get in. If you read the stories in the book of Acts, you will find Jesus walking through walls. If he could walk through walls, he could walk through stone. They didn't roll the stone away to give Jesus an easy way out. Jesus is not bound by time, space, and eternity. They rolled the stone away so that the world could look in and see. In verse 3, it says, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is incredible. We, we gloss over this so fast because we think we know the story. They knew they put him in that tomb. They knew they didn't even have time. See, they're bringing these spices to prepare him for death because when they crucified him on Friday, they hurried up the process because they needed to get him down before Passover. So if you read the story about how crucifixion went, sometimes people hang on a cross for days. 
and with, with, with their arms up here and twisted in a flux, they had to pull down on their arms and push up with their legs to get the ability to expand their lungs so they could draw air into their lungs. So crucifixion was a long, grueling process of becoming so weakened that you couldn't pull up anymore to draw breath. And the water, when you're not a deep breather, listen, some of y'all need to practice deep breathing exercises. It'll help your health. But when you don't breathe in deeply, water begins to fill up in your lungs. And it's a slow choking to death process of what happens on the cross. But if you read in the Gospels, you'll find out one of the soldiers went to the other, to the one on his right and the one on his left, and they broke their legs. Well, why did they break their legs? Because they were hurrying up the process. With broken legs, they couldn't push up anymore to draw air. When the man with the club came to Jesus, the Bible said they didn't break his legs because he had already given up the ghost. He had already committed his spirit to God and died to keep the prophecy alive that said none of his bones would ever be broken. But they go in, bringing these spices because they hurried him off the cross. They threw him into this borrowed tomb, didn't have time to prepare his body properly for the burial procedure. So they go there Sunday morning to make all that stuff straight. They've got these spices with them. They're going to give him a very traditional Jewish preparation and they go in and they don't find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They put him, they saw him put him in this tomb. They're so sure that they put him in this tomb, the government stationed officers, soldiers around the tomb, sealed the rock to make sure that the apostles didn't come stealing. Because they knew the story that Jesus said after he died, he would rise again. So they thought, you know what, if they come steal him, they're going to say he rose from the dead whether he did or he didn't. So they put him in his tomb, sealed the rock in the tomb, posted guards there to make sure that nobody could get in and nobody could get out. Well, when they showed up on Sunday hoping that the soldiers would let them in, they saw that the rock was rolled away, so they walked in and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. How freaked out would you be? How freaked out would you be? If you go, I sat yesterday beside the grave of my wife we had a funeral uh they nancy's uh mom passed we had a funeral yesterday at the same cemetery that my wife was buried in 10 years ago so i went and i sat there and and i thought about life and i, I thought about death if i would have went there and i'm just sitting there praying and thinking if she'd have jumped up through that grass i'm how to pee myself can you say that in church? I, if I'd have went to where I know she was buried and the headstone wasn't there, I'd have been freaking out. What's going on? I know what's supposed to be going on here. It's not going on. They knew Jesus had been in there and was dead. But verse 3, they don't see him anymore. Verse 4, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Jesus has already told them that they're going to they're gonna crucify me. Jesus said, the Son of Man must be delivered into sinful man's hands where he will be crucified. Then he said, but on the third day, I will rise again. Don't confuse the math. I have so many unsaved people tell me, oh, I know Christianity is just full of lies because he was supposed to be in the grave for three days. How do you get three days from Friday to Sunday, Saturday, Sunday? I tell you what, go rent a car from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> They'll show you how to get three days out of Friday to Sunday. He was in the grave Friday, and they'll tell you, you had my car on Friday, you had it on Saturday, and you had it on Sunday. And you owe me three days rent. How you get three days from Friday to Sunday? It's the third day. And he told him he was going to raise himself from. They shouldn't have even went. They, they shouldn't have even expected him to be there. Verse 6 says, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Exclamation point. This is just all stories to us. This is just all words in a book to us. These people were living this thing. These ladies, listen, these were the real followers of Jesus Christ. Thousands of people flocked to him while he was giving out miracles and feeding thousands of people with a few fish and some bread. But when he started teaching real doctrine, they all abandoned him. 
When he died, none of his apostles except John were even at the cross. These women stayed with him to the very end. These were hardcore followers. When Jesus died and rose from the dead and went to where they were holding church, there was only 120 people still following him. You're looking for a mega church? Jesus had 120. So just think about that. But the scripture says he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. I want you to try to figure out how you can say that to yourself constantly. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. You say, Pastor, why should I say that constantly? We need to get it in our mind that Jesus, the God we follow, beat death. He conquered the grave. Listen, if he can raise himself from the dead, he can get your rent paid. If he can raise himself from the dead, he can get your spouse acting right. If he can raise himself from the dead, he can give you power if you'll take it. Everybody doesn't want resurrection power. Then then these angels said, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. I love verse 8. It said, then they remembered he had said this. Now, these people were sure enough following Jesus. They were following him day in and day out. They weren't just coming to church on Sunday. This wasn't Sunday come to meeting folk, and this wasn't part of that CME crowd. Y'all know CME crowd, people who come to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. These were not CME Christians. These were not Sunday go to meeting folk. They'd been following Jesus every day by his side, listening to his teaching, but it wasn't until then. When is then, church? After, then is always after. After the angel told them, reminded them of what Jesus had told them, they're like, oh, yeah, he did say that. (laughs) Then they remembered that he had told them. What am I trying to get you to see? Same problems they had. The Bible says we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. The same problems they had back then are the same problems we have now. I don't believe it's something new. That the church needs. I don't believe we need a new twist on Christianity. I don't need, believe we need to rush off to the new teaching where somebody's figured out something really cool. We just need to really believe the story. It's not that we need more teaching. We need to believe what we've been told. It's not that we need more revelation. We need to remember what God has said. People in this room that love the Lord. You love the Lord when you got your mind set on Christ. But you know, if you be honest, that as life happens, you can get your mind set on other things. See, the opposite of remembering is forgetting. And the thing that gets us in trouble is when we forget that God loves us. When we forget that Jesus gave his life for us. When we forget that although salvation is free, it costs God everything. When when I told some people I was talking to on Friday, they're like, oh, so what do you think about Good Friday? I said, well, I'm happy for Good Friday, but it wasn't good for God. See, this whole concept that we have of free, there's nothing free in the world. People think they get something free. People are like, oh, I got my free phone from the government. Oh, I got, I got, I got free money from the government. There's nothing free in the world. Somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for it. People talking about wanting to get college education. Listen. If you young people get college education for free, I want all my money back from, from all the college I paid for. Right, Amber? Ain't that the truth? Give me my money back. But people are like, oh, we're going to get to send these young people to college for free. Well, who's going to pay the professors? Who's going to pay the universities? No, somebody's gonna, somebody always has to pay. You want to hear about it more? Come back on July 4th, and I'll let you know that even our freedom as Americans isn't free. Somebody had to pay for that. Am I right, Sergeant Major? Army soldiers, Navy guys, Marines, Coast Guard. The military had to pay a huge price for what we call free. And I want you to know Jesus paid a huge price for what we call free. Salvation is free, but it ain't cheap. And when we start forgetting all these things that God has done for us, that's when we grow cold on our relationship to God. That's when we stop reading our Bible every day. That's when we stop coming to church all the time. That's when we stop singing hallelujah songs to God. That's when we stop giving the way we should and living the way we should. Not because we don't know him, but because we aren't focusing on what we should be remembering. And I want you to remember every day, God 
sent his son to the cross for me so that I could have life. They remembered after the angel told them in verse 9, they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Look at that phrase between those dashes. They didn't just tell his 11 disciples, they told everyone else. And this is how this man Jesus, without a radio advertisement, without TV or internet, was able to take a handful of people and change the whole world with a brand new religion. Why? Because the people that were following Jesus in the first century were going around telling folk. And if you want people to be saved in the, in the 21st century, you got to go around and tell people. They went and told everyone that Jesus was alive. I believe as Christians we need to constantly remind ourselves that he's risen. I love the words to that hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Listen, do, do, do you know that he holds the future? He said, I know that life is worth the living because he lives. If you forget that, you're gonna, life's going to be mundane to you. Life's going to be difficult to you. You're going to have a lot of why questions. I don't have a lot of why questions. I don't understand why my wife died at 36 years old, left me with two small children. I don't understand why that happened. I don't spend a lot of time talking to God about it, though, because he, he understands things on a whole different level than I do. I don't understand. The Bible says people tell me after, well, you know, Pastor, something good's going to come out of it. Well, I don't see that. How? Well, the Bible says all things work together for good, what God calls good. Some of these things are hard on us. What, what do we call Friday? Two days ago, Good Friday. Well, what's good for us was bad for God. And sometimes what's good for God might be difficult for us. See, Paul understood suffering. And you can't understand resurrection and you can't have power without both sides of the coin. So we need to understand and believe that because we know who holds the future, because we know that our God is real and our God is alive, you ought to have a different outlook than unsaved people have. You ought to have a different outlook. That's why I told everybody after the election, uh, and I, I love it. I, social media is designed to divide people and cause arguments. So every now and then somebody will tell the truth, and I love that one meme that I saw. It doesn't, you don't have to worry about who's in the White House if you know who's on the throne in heaven. <laughs> Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what they're doing in Washington, Jesus is still on the throne, and if we will remind ourselves daily that I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. We got to see Jesus as alive because if you don't believe that your religion is supernatural, if you don't believe that your religion has resurrection power, then you are not going to have enough strength to blow your nose. People talking about getting back to Pentecost. People want Pentecost power, but they don't want to pay the cost. You think God's going to show up on you and give you miracle work and Holy Ghost power? And, 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 and you read your Bible three days a month? That's not how it works. You, you got to keep G. You got to remember we forget too much. I want you to remember that Jesus rose from the dead. Looking back in our text, Philippians 3.10 says, Paul talking, that I may know him and the power is resurrection. Paul wanted to know Jesus on a very deep scale. This word here for know in the Greek it comes from the Hebrew word that was in Genesis when the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve, and she brought forth a son. So, I mean, there's children in the room. Y'all need, need me to break a diagram down for that? Adam knew Eve. Well, what kind of knowledge did he have of her to get a son to come? Y'all need a PowerPoint presentation? Listen, it's an intimacy this word know is an intimacy. It's an intertwining. It's a rubbing up against. I ain't going to get more graphic for you. It's a direct knowledge. Everybody knows Jesus, but everybody doesn't know Jesus. Everybody knows who Jesus is. He's the most documented human being in the history of the world. It's 2017 based on this one man's life. He split the world's time in two places before him. And after him. So everybody knows Jesus, but everybody doesn't know him the way Paul's talking about knowing him. This morning, I want to give you two things. We're going to get out of here. Two things to focus on 
that resurrection gives us the power to do. Number one, it gives us a power to escape the second death. I heard an old preacher say that, he said, you shouldn't get saved just to skip hell. I was a kid, I'm thinking, sounds good enough for me. I mean, what, what, what kind of reasons do you need here? You, I mean, free rice at the end of the month? What, what, are you, what are you looking to get out of it? Listen, missing hell is the big thing. You don't believe there's a hell. Keep living. One thing I can tell you for sure, I had to preach my stepfather's funeral last month. This was a man who I, I never thought I would preach his funeral. Uh, he was a violent, abusive man. Uh, I hadn't talked to him. I probably talked to him three times in the last 30 years, maybe four. Um, he had no relationship with God. He, he, he didn't believe that there was a hell. I bet you he believes now. I don't take no joy in saying that. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want everybody to go to heaven. But I tell you who believes in hell the most? The people who are there. You say, I don't believe in hell. Well, you're not believing in it. Don't make it untrue. You might not believe in the theory of relativity. That don't make it untrue. You might not believe in gravity. You know, let me push you off the stage. See how that fall feels. I mean, believe in it or don't believe in it. The resurrection gives us power to escape the second death. That's what Paul's saying in Philippians 3.11. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, this is the big thing for me. I know I'm going to die. And I don't want it to end in hell. I want it to end up. Say up. You need to go up. You don't want to go down. The Bible tells a story about a rich man and a beggar. And the Bible says that the beggar died. And the angels came and carried him up into paradise. The rich man died, and the Bible says, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. The minute you close your eyes on this side of eternity, you open your eyes somewhere else. This is what the Bible says. The good news for the Christian, the Scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You close your eyes. Amen. You close your eyes in this life, you open up your eyes in heaven. And you're looking down thinking, why are they crying for me? I'm up here. They, oh, I get it. They're crying for themselves. He said, by any, any means necessary, I got to get this resurrection of the dead. The Bible talks about a born-again experience. A lot of people aren't under, don't understand this whole thing. Are you born again? The Bible talks about uh, a natural birth and a spiritual birth, a natural death and a spiritual death. He wanted to have resurrection from the dead. Your natural birth was the day you were born. My natural birth, August 6, 1963. That's the day I was born, naturally, in Mercy Hospital in San Diego, California. That's why I talk this way. People say, where are you from, man? You sound so country. California, you can't tell? Ah, that's funny, but it's true. My spiritual birth was on July 15, 1981, when I got saved for real. You, by virtue of the fact you're in here breathing air, had a natural birth. But just because you're sitting in this church breathing air doesn't mean you had a spiritual birth. This is when you have to be born again. One birth is not going to do it for you. Everybody has a natural birth. Everybody doesn't have a spiritual birth. Everybody's natural death is certain, but everybody's resurrection is not certain. Listen to what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 21. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, we know that story, Adam and Eve sinned, and sin passed on everybody, the Bible says. Now, the resurrection from the dead has begun with another man. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man, but all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. Look who it says will be given new life. This new life is to be born again. Look who it says will be given new life. All who are related to Christ. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. This whole political correctness has, has gone crazy. This whole everybody's included is false doctrine. You, if you stood up and said that Jesus is the only way, people would challenge, well, that's not very open-minded. 
That doesn't sound tolerant. Surely that can't be right. It, it, it sounds very closed-minded and definitive. Listen, are you closed-minded about what your name is? Now, if, if I came over here and I said to Deacon Jimmy, uh, your name is James. He got no beef with that. Why? Because that's his name. What if I said your name is Earl? Let's, let's get more real with it. Your name is Jamal. It'd be, be a funny looking Jamal, right? That's funny. Y'all don't even understand. But if I said your name is Jamal, he doesn't have to argue with me about that. He knows what his name is. Should he be open-minded about what his name is because I want him to be Jamal? No. When you know the truth, the truth ain't open-minded. The truth ain't tolerant. The truth ain't inclusive. The truth's the truth. Jesus said, only by me. He went further than that. He said, everybody who tries to come to God any other way than through me is a thief and a liar. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Only the people connected to Christ will be given new life. Man, you better make sure that you are connected to Jesus. Verse 23 says, but there is an order. Say order. There's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first. Then when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised. I love that last phrase because it fits me. All his people. You got people. I got people. Hopefully some of your people are some of my people. But here's my question to you. Are you some of his people? Mm. We say amen. But the Bible says many will say to Jesus in the resurrection day that, but Lord, I did all these good things for you. How can you tell me I'm not saved? Are you really his people? Do you know him like that? Do you have an intimate, intertwined, personal relationship where you rub up against it? Do you know him like that? That's what brings about resurrection. Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. This is what Paul was saying. I know I'm going to die one day. But I don't want no pieces with the second death. I know I'm, listen, I know I'm going to die one day. I've already got my little headstone next to my wife's. Hers has got her birth date and her death date. Mine, that's a weird looking thing, y'all. I I mean, I did it because, you know, they they sold it to me, took advantage of me in my grief. Well, you should go ahead and get yours too. Hallelujah. What's it cost? They look at the headstone. I'm like, oh, you're a veteran. Listen. Don't, don't, don't get it wrong, vets. They, they don't pay for your funeral. Guess how much they gave, gave me for my, my funeral. Same thing they're going to give you after 35 years, $250. What? They told me you're going to bury me. Uh-uh. No, $250 is what you're going to get. They said, well, we, you, you already got such a great deal through, through being a veteran. You, you know, you're saving $250 right off the bat. Yeah, off $19,000? Am I right? 19000 That's what it costs right now. That's what I paid 10 years ago. But I was sitting there yesterday thinking, man, this is a heck of a thing. That, that headstone got my name on it. Got my birth date on it and a dash. Ain't nothing left for them but it's put that little plate right there. So, you know, what was today? What, April what? That's a good day as any. April 16, 2017. There he lies. We're going to die. The Bible says that death is certain. The Bible, Solomon said that the grave is the end for all of us. Everybody's going to come to this place, and you'd be wise to think about it while you're alive. Why? You can't fade death, but you can fade the second death. That's what Paul was saying. I don't want the second death to have power over me. The Bible teaches the second death is hell. The second death is when you are cast into hell, and the second death is continual. Listen, if they're going to throw me into hell, and I just burn up and be done, no biggie. I can handle that. I've been through a lot of things in my life. I can handle that, but that's not what it is. The death in hell is a continual death, an ongoing death. The Bible says where the worm never dies and the fire is never... You're going to have maggots eating on you forever. I mean, you put somebody in the grave, the magazine told the body's going to die. You put somebody in hell, that thing just dies forever. The Bible teaches the second death in Revelation 
Listen to who it says the second death has power over. Listen to who it says it's going to experience the second death. But cowards who turn away from me, comma. Got to pause on the punctuation so you can understand what he's saying. Cowards who turn away from me. Everybody who's in church knows somebody that used to be in church ain't in church no more. You know why? Call them up and tell them I said so. Because they're cowards who turned away from God. That's what the scripture says. And there's a place for them. And unbelievers. So there's a place for them. And the corrupt and murderers and immoral and those who practice witchcraft and idol worshipers and all liars. Their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. This is what the second death is. Now, when I witness to people, share my faith with people, I have people tell me the same thing all the time. When I ask them, are you a Christian? Well, I never killed anybody. Are we talking about murder now? You don't confess anything to me. I'm, I'm a mandatory reporter. Hey, you, you, this, this ain't like the movies. You tell me you did something, I got to call it in. That, that, that's the job. But he's like, I never killed anybody. I, I, I never did anything bad. I, I, I'm not a murderer. I'm not immoral. I don't practice witchcraft. I, 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 don't, I don't worship idols. I don't tell too many lies. Are you an unbeliever? The fact that you're an unbeliever puts you in the same category in God's mind as all the rest of these people. And that category is the second death. The second death is the lake of fire. Revelation 20:14 says, and death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. See, I was born once, then I was born again. I died once. Well, not yet. Could be today. I don't know. I, I'm going to die once, but I don't want to die again. I don't want to have two deaths. I'm okay having two lives. I'm not okay having two deaths because the second death is a continual death in the lake of fire. Hey, I want you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus so you never have to experience the second death. You say, was wanting to skip hell good enough reason to get saved? Absolutely it is. And Paul didn't want to go to, I don't want to go to hell for no reason. And I don't want anybody else to go to hell either. So the Bible says resurrection gives us power to escape the second death. Second thing and lastly, power, the resurrection gives us power to live the Christian life now. If you're unsaved, you need resurrection so you don't die and go to hell. If you are saved, you need resurrection so that you can have power to live the Christian life now. Because if you don't know, it's tough. If you, don't know, if you believe in all those lies on TV, come to Jesus and all your troubles will be fixed. Send $20 to your favorite prophetess. You know, they're, they're prophets for profit. Since, since $25.95 right now, God's going to give you double for your trouble, lying to you to get your money. Listen, that, that's not how Christianity works. It's, it's not come to Jesus and all your troubles will go away. I came to Jesus got a whole new set of troubles. Now, we'll talk about that some other time. But we need power to live the Christian life right now. One of the saddest things I see are people trying to live the Christian life without Christ. It's like sitting in a car thinking you're going to go for a ride and there's no engine in it. You can play with the key. You ain't going to crank it. You can play with the steering wheel a little bit. You can press the gas pedal. You can play around with the gears. They don't do this anymore, do they? Kids don't know how to drive. Anybody in here know how to drive a stick shift? All right, y'all old. You young, the military taught you. You can play with them gears all you want to. Without an engine in it, it's not going to go anywhere. You can be saved. But if you are not counting on and clinging to Christ daily, you are not going to have power to live a saved life. Nobody can live the Christian life except Jesus. It's too hard. You're wondering why your life's not fitting, why your life's not feeling, why your life's not going the way you want it to go. You know you're sure enough saved, but you're still having all these struggles. Get out of the driver's seat and let Jesus take the wheel. Get out of the driver's seat and let God have his way in your life. Too many Christians trying to live on their own strength. We need to live on the strength of resurrection. The Bible teaches those of us who are saved uh, that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. In Acts 1, verse 8, the Bible says that you shall receive power. Say power. power. 
you shall receive power. This is what we need. We need power because living a Christian life is hard, especially on a man. Living a Christian life is hard because we've told all our life that if, if somebody gives us some, we got to give them some back, right? We grew up under, uh, if you mess with the bull, you get the, that's all the time. We, we grew up on a, be a man, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, handle your business, be strong. Listen, we need to have power to live all these things that God wants us to live. And the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is for every Christian. This is not just for preachers and special Christians. He said, you shall be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I've told you before, these, these three uh, nations are concentric expanding circles. Jerusalem was where they were. Judea was the surrounding area. Samaria was outside of that and to the whole world. God wants to give you power so you can be a witness to him. If somebody says, well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I learned how to do X, Y, and Z, that's okay. But the reason God sent the Holy Ghost to fill us is so that we could be witnesses to him. We need to be his, we need power. To, go ahead, you think you can do it all on your own? Go, go next gas pump you see somebody at. Go engage them in a conversation about salvation. You're going to need Jesus' power to be effective in doing these things. Now, the, peop, the group of people that Jesus is talking to is the same group that just days before were so scared they wouldn't even come to the cross. He's talking to his disciples. They had no courage at all. But after they received the power from the Holy Ghost, they went out and told the whole world about Jesus. They went from being weak and non-courageous to be bold and powerful. I wonder if you had to describe, describe your own Christianity is it weak or is it powerful? Are your prayers weak or are they powerful? Is your Bible study weak or is it powerful? Is your life for Christ weak or is it powerful? I can promise you, if you're not counting on resurrection, if you're not letting the one who was raised from the dead have control of your life, then you are not going to have the power that God designed you to have to be the Christian that you need to be in this world. John said in chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. This is what Jesus is saying. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to die. They didn't like that. They, they wanted him to stay. He was supposed to set up a rule, a kingdom rule on the earth. He was supposed to put the oppressors under their feet. But he told them, I'm going to die. But don't worry, I, I, I know you want me to stay, but it's more to your advantage that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to come to you. But it, So when I depart, I will send him to you. He also said in John 14, 17 about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the one who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Come. No unsaved person has the Holy Ghost. The world cannot receive him. The Bible says that Natural people, unsaved people, can't even understand spiritual things, much less have the Spirit inside them. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But, listen, Christian, you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. He's telling His disciples, you've seen the work of the Holy Spirit. And when I die, He's not just going to be around you anymore. He's going to live inside you. The Bible says that when you get saved, when you believe in resurrection, that God gives you power to have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. This isn't just for some Christians. This is for every Christian. The book of Romans tells us that if you don't have the Spirit of God living inside you, that you're none of His. You're no Christian at all. So Easter's about power. Easter's about resurrection power. It's about the power to live the power to escape the second death, and the power from God to live the Christian life that God wants you to live. What last verse I'm going to give you, Luke 9, 23. If you're saved, listen to what Jesus said. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. You have to die to your way of life, get power from God, to carry your cross every day. The cross isn't your crazy mother-in-law. Hey, that's just the cross I got to carry, Reverend. 
It, it, it's, it's not your child who's driving you crazy. The cross is an instrument of death. It's you putting your life on the altar and saying, I will die to me so that he can live through me. Real Christians, it's not about what you're doing for God. It's about what you allow God to do through you. The power of the resurrection gives us power on the inside through God's spirit. It gives us the same power that Jesus had to beat death, hell, and the devil, lives on the inside of a Christian. But to activate that power, you've got to learn how to deny yourself. You've got to learn to put aside your selfish ambition. For Christians, it's no longer about your agenda, your ideas, your desires. It's not about fame and fortune and fashion anymore. It's about dying to your own way and following his way. If I asked you today, who's really leading you? Some people say, my mom and dad. Some people say, well, my wife makes all decisions. Correct that. Some people say, well, my husband is leading me. Some people would say, whatever. But the reality is there's only one or two ways. You're either leading yourself or you're letting God lead you. And I want you to be honest about your own life. What have you been doing lately? Have you been dying to yourself so that Jesus could live in you? Or have you been living in yourself and pushing Jesus out? I have people tell me stuff all the time like, Oh, Pastor, almost almost gave one of my coworkers a piece of my mind today. The world doesn't need a piece of our mind. The world needs us to shelve all that and have the mind of Christ so we can give them a piece of Christ's mind. We need to take on the form and the fashion that God intended us to have through resurrection power. But resurrection power only comes after death. When Jesus died, he was raised. He couldn't be raised till he died. That's just common sense. You can't, he couldn't have been raised from the dead until he died. Here's my punchline. I want you to get this. Resurrection only comes after death. Resurrection only comes after death. Jesus had to die to be raised from the dead. We have to die to have resurrection power. We don't have to die a physical death, but we have to die a spiritual death. We have to die to ourselves. If you want resurrection power, if you want God to lead you, to guide you, to bless you, to provide for you, you've got to learn how to come, die to Jesus so he can live in you. I hope you've experienced the first power of the resurrection. I hope you've experienced the power to escape hell. If you haven't experienced the power to escape hell, if you're not saved, if you're not sure about your salvation, I got great news for you. It's no big drama how to get saved. You don't have to walk an aisle, shake a preacher's hand. You don't have to, you know, count backwards from a hundred. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to be saved, all you have to do is ask God to save you. And the Bible says he would save you. And you can have power to escape the second death. If you're here and you know you're saved, you need to get on with it. You, people all the time procrastinate. One day I'm going to be the man I'm supposed to be. One day I'm going to be the woman I'm supposed to be. One day I'm going to pray like I should. Well, Listen, that day is now. If you are saved, that day is now. You need to get on with it. Get on with it, Christian. Start being the man, the woman, the young person. God created you to be. God saved you to be. Stop thinking that's going to happen one day. Let me tell you when it happens. When you die to yourself. To say, I'm done with me. I'm done being the boss, and I'm going to let him be the boss. I'm done running and ruining my own life, and I'm going to let him run my life and bless my life. <laughs> Resurrection power only comes after a death. See, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. Everybody believes that, though. Most documented man in the history of the world. But everybody doesn't believe he rose from the dead. That's the difference. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if you are not saved right now, but you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, all you have to do is call on his name and call him Lord and he will save you. If you call yourself saved, all you got to do is die to your own ambition and let him come alive in you. Only two types of people in the world, born again and not born again. Which one are you? Are you saved or are you unsaved? Be honest with yourself. 
You need resurrection power. If you're unsaved, you need the power of the resurrection to free you from the second death. If you are unsaved, you need to let God save you to deliver you from death, hell, the devil, sin, situation, self, and circumstance. If you're unsaved, you need the power of the resurrection to take place in your life where you put faith that Jesus was raised from the dead so that you can one day be raised from the dead. Two types of people, saved and unsaved. If you're not born again, you need to get born again. If you are born again, you need resurrection power so you can become all that God wants you to be. God wants to bless your life. God wants to give you power. But resurrection power only comes after what? After death. It's time for the church to die to racism. It's time for the church to die for any kind of ism, any kind of schism, and any kind of division. And to come alive to God's plan. It's time for Christians to set time out on their own plan. And come alive to God's plan. Resurrection power is for everyone. And everyone needs to be saved. And everyone needs to give God control of their life. Would you bow your head and pray with me? God, thank you for resurrection. Thank you for the power of resurrection that enables us to be saved. You said that Jesus was resurrected first so that we who believe in him could be resurrected later. God, we thank you for the coming resurrection for your people. God, I pray that today you would help those who are saved to die to their self so resurrection power can come alive in them. And I pray for those who are not saved that they would give up and give in to your love and to your power. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I just want to ask you real quick, if there's anyone in this room today that would say, Pastor Scott, pray for me. I'm not a Christian. It's Easter. I'm in church. Pray for me. I, I, I'm not sure about my salvation. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to come down there and grab you. I'm not going to touch you or do anything weird. I'm going to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Scott, pray for me that I'd come become a Christian one day soon. With no one looking around but me. If you'd say, Pastor Scott, pray for me. I want to be a Christian before I die. Would you just raise your hand with no one looking but me? All right. All right. Anybody else? All right. Anybody else? Just say, pray for me. I want to be a Christian one day. All right. God, I pray for these who have raised their hand and those that should have. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them by your spirit. God, I pray, God, that you would pour your love out on them and reveal yourself to them. With your head still bowed and no one looking around but me, we're almost done. For those of you who raised your hand and said, pray for me, I want to be a Christian one day. How about today? How about today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. If you're here and you're not saved, the Bible says all you have to do is call on God. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to become a member of this church. You don't ever even have to come back here. But you need to call on the Lord. I want to pray a prayer with you this morning. I want to pray a prayer. I want to pray it out loud, and I want you to pray it silently in your heart. This prayer is not magic. It's not sprinkling any dust on you. It's not this prayer that would save you. But if you believe there's a God that will hear you, ask him to save you, your faith will save you. If you want to be saved today, I want you to pray silently in your head while I pray out loud. You just repeat silently in your head what you hear me pray out loud. Dear God, please save me. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I believe that your son died on the cross and that he was raised from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins and make me a real Christian. Fill me with your spirit and give me new life. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.